welcome to the T-Hut Popcast. I'm Leland Steele. I'm Marty, and I'm not sick anymore. Huzzah! And I'm Moby, and it's my birthday. Oh, we said that last episode. Oh, it's, yeah. it's your actual birthday today? Uh, well, when we're recording, it's like we're 48 hours out, so close enough. So when this airs, your birthday will be long gone. You'll be like 35 by then. That's right. I'll be old, grizzled, <laughs> this, this, and This alone. episode will be airing two weeks, exactly two weeks after your birthday. Okay. Because we said last episode, hey, when this comes out, it will be your birthday. I'll be pushing up daisies, or at least have a cane by now. Wow. Walk them. High expectations. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> All right. So, so uh, this episode, we're doing some stuff today. We're going to talk about some things. You guys, <laughs> you guys like that? That sounds good. Yeah, that's a, that sounds really, really precise and uh, very, yeah, that gives out nothing at all well why don't we actually talk about what we're going to reveal about the world today which is uh we're going to talk about trans atlantic yes uh. <laughs> no not uh, uh. there is no ah uh. leland doesn't like it when i call it transatlantic that's uh. because that's not it's fucking name but it of sounds course like i don't better. like it it sounds no. like an improvement it's a house rule it's a house atlantica rule. is there's no atlantica ocean no, but Transatlantica just sounds... Yeah, that's like. the name of a ship, but the act of shipping something across the Atlantic Sea... Okay. He's right. It does It does sound better. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. No, I he's not right. He's right. I am right. It does sound better. No, no, anyways, anyways right. today Moby will re- have his uh, trans agenda and we'll <laughs> talk about this. That's right. I was that talking about the trans agenda. A crazy about cardboard review. Hell yeah, it's about time. It's been a while. Actually, no, we just did this for mine. Oh, yeah, but it's been... We haven't done that many, though. No, this will be our, little, our third board. Yeah, third yeah, Kemet was the other one. Yeah. We're, yeah. Hey, we're fleshing out that board game ranking list. Yeah, we're getting there. Yeah, you just got to force us to play the fucking things. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, you know what? Um, spoiler alert. That one was pretty fun. Not this war of mine. That wasn't as fun. No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. Actually, uh, Leland and I were talking about uh, 13 Reasons Why the other day, and like uh, the board game version came up. And <laughs> we decided that it would just be a reskinned version of this war of mine. <laughs> that sounds fun. Let's be teenagers. That is now two episodes in a row that we've given airtime to 13 Reasons Why. That is two times more episodes than it really Let's does. make it three. I wait, talked about it for the next 20 one. minutes last episode. Well, and as I texted you guys, so I wrote down in our private T-Hud thread something about 13 Reasons Why one time. And now that's been keylogged on my computer and advertisers <laughs> are just ramming that shit. Like it does not stop. It was doing it this morning. Every YouTube ad or every second YouTube app, YouTube ad yeah. was. Well, that's, uh, you know, that's funny because I get them too, but like I did actually watch it. <laughs> no. But how does it know that I watched it on did my you, Netflix? Did you at one point type it in like 13 reasons why no you didn't i don't i don't think so i mean i can't for sure say that of course but okay but no i like i i wouldn't have watched any like youtube videos oh no i did watch a youtube (laughs) there you go i did like i it was oh i should have i wish i knew who it was it was really good video it's like 13 reasons why i hate 13 reasons why but like now you get it rammed down your throat netflix does the same thing though with like recommendations like because i've watched uh what was that show that japanese show with with them playing final fantasy 14 oh, uh, data light that yeah i get so many similar shows yeah i mean oh me too yeah. me too it's all it's all like anime stuff i right? get a lot of korean like like rom-coms oh, yes yes and like my wife and i were going through them and we we're just like what what are these like they, some of them are just from? like weird 
like spit clearly like ripoffs of like Americanized shows too. Mm-hmm. It's really funny. Yeah, there are things that like, I never actually watch. Yeah, oh yeah, totally. But now yeah. they're clogging up for the things that I actually might watch. Now you have to. Yeah. To get so, rid but of like them. now, but but no, how do you do that though? Because I've never watched any of those, so it's perpetuating the stereotype that Netflix, this Al Gore rhythm that Netflix has <laughs> developed for me. An how do I get? Al, how do I get out of it? Al Gore rhythm. Yeah, that is a Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt season four episode reference. Oh, okay. Just, I didn't know. Oh, I yeah. it was that, really that, okay, that one episode you recommended it to me it was very good. Oh, that was so fucking funny. Yeah. Season actually season four, the first half of it. It was actually really good. Is it? Yeah. Because um, it's actually the last season of this I was reading. And oh, it? they've okay. split it into two parts. So that's why oh. it's only like six episodes on Netflix right now. Yeah, but weird. the other half, they don't. They, there's no release date for it. Huh. It's really they, weird. They usually tell you. Yeah. yeah. You know what? That's probably my favorite show that I don't watch. <laughs> I know, right? Because I do watch. I've seen, the ones I've seen always kill me. Like, they're always really, really good. Funny. Like, season... Oh, I remember watching season one and just staying up so late, but, like, dying of laughter for, like, six hours straight. Yeah. Actually, I've got some banter in a few minutes about something similar, but I did want to say that our second segment is going to be a discussion about the ESRB ratings. And MPAA. And MPAA. Um, I think I'll probably take the lead on the ESRB. Because, sure. you know, my, my segment. Okay. My, my ratings. It's more like a hybrid segment. Well, Yeah. yeah. But that, that's what I mean. I'll take that part. Ah, okay. Moby will take his. Sure. And I'll you can uh, review some more interject again. funny uh, anecdotes and comments. Oh, like Moby didn't do with God of War? Yeah, exactly okay. like that. <laughs> well, like, Moby actually really focused on the ESRB, so I think this is going to be really heavily tilted towards that. Woo! I mean, I do know a little bit about the MPA, but... Um, All right, I guess we'll have to do some uh, research during uh, Transatlantica. Yeah. <laughs> no! All right, well, let's do the banter segment. This is banter. We're already in it. No, this is pre-banter banter. banter. (laughs) You gotta have a pre-banter. It's time for the banter banter segment. Uh, I've got something. Go ahead. Go, go, Moby. Stamp away. I'm not Moby. (laughs) How can you tell tell this is the one podcast I've probably been drinking through? (laughs) Which is actually... You started drinking when we played Transatlantic. Yes, listener, I am 100% drinking through this podcast. Yeah, well, Moby uh, goes to the gym for one month and then he confuses himself with me, so like... (laughs) That's right. What's what's he saying about him? Um, You know, I'll talk about one thing and one thing only. Uh, Arrested Development Season 5. Is it good? No. See, I actually started um, the Revise 4 because I never finished Season 4. Yes. So I did start watching that. Um, So what exactly... Do you know exactly what they did with that Season 4? Like, did they... Did they split the episodes in half? So what they did is they... Initially, Season 4 was like 10 or 12, 30-some-odd-minute episodes. Okay. So they they re-edited it into 20 minute yeah i noticed that but they're they are short they're shorter than 30 minutes though yes but they're long more episodes so they made it into a long like a full season like a yeah. 20 episode season yeah and i know i noticed that i was like holy fuck i don't remember there being this yeah movie. there wasn't um i don't actually know i haven't seen the redone version i know to be fair i've only seen i think one maybe two episodes of the newest season okay. because it was that bad um Ugh, that's <sighs> shitty. yeah the first one was really tough to get through man like wow. and it's disappointing because I'm watching it and I, I realized that they just the humor it hasn't evolved I guess like that that's I think the my biggest criticism like it just hasn't moved with the times yeah that's right you know and like it just didn't 
just doesn't grasp me. I, I don't know. I, they're, they're still latching on to some really old ideas sometimes, too, and it's, uh, that's their biggest mistake. Yeah, and I wonder if that uh, comes in part just them thinking they need to, like, maintain this aesthetic. Because, like, season four, at least, was picked up right after season three, which is, like, ten plus years old, right? Yes. So, in the events of the show, it's still, like, 2007. Yes, and same with uh, this season. Picks uh, up okay. right after. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they was trying to, like, almost... It seemed like they were trying to wipe out some of that stuff to, like, move on. Okay. But I didn't even really remember season four, so it's like... <laughs> yeah, what happened? I yeah, I don't know. Tobias dresses the thing, I think, in one episode. Like, I, I don't know. There was... I think in the first episode, there was, there was one really funny joke. Well, like, pretty funny joke. And it was really kind of about George Sr. and had to do with uh, Transparency, the show he was on. Oh. You know, where he got to canned or yeah. whatever. You know, it's, it was something along the lines of, like, you know, I guess you're right. I'll never win an award for dressing as a, as a woman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> something like that. And that That's, was kind of funny. That is funny. But it was more, yeah, honestly, it was more, like, cute than funny. It was, uh, like, hot, it was, yeah, yeah, totally right. You know what I mean? It, it was like, oh, that was, that's what's witty. But from an episode that wasn't very good, I guess that was the standout. Um, yeah, you know what? <sighs> Not a big fan. I mean, I was dying laughing at that episode of Kimmy Schmidt you told me to watch. So mm-hmm. and I watched them back to back and oh. not good. Uh. Yeah, that's all I've got. I mean, I, I want to try to get through it, but, you know, I find myself having a hard time getting through TV series lately. Actually, my wife just watched Safe. Oh, I watched the first episode. Yeah, she liked it. Cool. Uh, she was trying to get me into it, and I said I'm I, I don't think I gave it its fair shake because uh, I was, like, screwing around with moving furniture and stuff while, mm-hmm. kind of while I was watching it. It doesn't seem like that kind of show. No, I know. I should have sat down and, and paid more attention to it, yeah. but... Uh, maybe I'll re- I'll go back and rewatch that first episode. I think it's just a limited series. I think that's just one. Yeah, season. well, and it's also is it done because um, I think that it was one of those ones they were releasing weekly episodes too. Yes, so it's done. It's now, right? done. It's fully yeah. released. Okay. Yeah. Other than that, yeah, I don't have to. Well, that's not true. That's not true. Factorio. Yeah, Factorio. That what I thought. I I was thinking that was going to be mine, but yeah, let's talk about. It. Let's talk about Factorio. Moby, Moby hasn't played yeah, Factorio yeah, yet. Yeah, and I want to talk about it with you guys. You know, you guys are really interested in it. And I brought up at least once, maybe twice, like, hey, maybe I should get it. And you guys are like, eh, well, Moby, we're not sure you'd like it. And I kind of want to wonder, like, what is your now, my, hesitation? Mike, well, uh, see, I, I don't have any hesitation. Mm-hmm. I just straight up, I don't know if you'll like it. Okay. There's no, like, I don't think you're like okay. it because you, like, because I'm leaning towards you hating it. I just... I don't know if this is your type Tr- of game. Treat me like listener. Just give a general overview. What do you even fucking do in Factorio? Okay, so you're uh, essentially, you can play either a campaign, which kind of leads you through like lear- a learning system. Okay. Uh, but the free play, which I think is the bulk of it for the most part, yeah, so. is you're basically on a, on a planet. And if you can imagine, you're like essentially stranded, but you're like a scientist. And okay. you're just trying to take natural resources and gather them and then automate them so the whole point is to you're starting out you only have like a pickaxe but then you know you're mining ore but that lasts like it could last honestly like 10 minutes and then all of a sudden you have a like a furnace and belts and like a factory like and the whole point is to turn things into other things and not have to do anything to make a self-sustaining system to eventually make a rocket so you can blast off and leave okay i i'm seriously intrigued by that and it's really well it reminds me of like um like, and I know it's a very, very light version of this, but in Stardew Valley, how you go in the mines, you get ore, you smell bars, you build bigger shit, 
And the more complex stuff you get, the better shit you can build. I would say this is like... A hundred times. It's, it's an insane amount of complication because the map, the procedurally generated map is huge. It's infinite. Wow. It's, I think it goes on forever. I think so because I think you can actually... I've seen like some giant bases people yeah. built and it's all basically dependent on your computer. Right. Um, because it gets to the point, Moby, where you need a system of trains, which you can design, to gather like resources from far away and bring it back to your main base and then you can like systematically like you know process them from there so you know it's really what i found about the game that was funny was when i started doing it because you get to a point where you have like these assembly machines so you can just plunk in material into the machines and it makes stuff now i didn't even think about making it so that could be automated i was running around putting stuff in the machines making them and then trying to i'm like man this is so not working out for me like how long is this game going to take and i then i realized like I'm a caveman. I'm literally banging sticks together or ranging rocks together trying to make science when I realized, like, I can automate everything. You know, you can make coal on conveyor belts go into these machines automatically. You know, I, like, I have everything set up now that, like, it, it runs. I have, like, a, it, I can just let it go. And it just makes science. So, like, I've right. autom- I've automated science. science. Right, like <laughs> like your power system. Like, you start off, um, you know, finding a water source and pumping in and making, like, steam power. Mm-hmm. You you totally like you can you totally automate your your power system. You again you find a coal deposit, you get the miners and the conveyor belts going, and it runs it right to to the steam engines. And an arm picks it up off the conveyor belt, plunks it right in, and it just keeps it firing. Now, do you like design any of the stuff, or is like the arm and machine that will just automatically grab whatever's on a conveyor so belt? So the out? arm has a certain reach, depending on what kind of arm has a certain speed. So you you can actually get longer arms. Yeah, those are cool. You can have the uh, conveyor belt splitters, so you can split. Say you've got like ore going on one belt. You, well, usually you wouldn't want to split your ore, but you'd have your ore. You'd have it put into a furnace. Okay, an arm puts it in a furnace, and then another arm pulls it out of the furnace, puts it on another belt because now it's been turned into a plate a steel plate or an iron plate. And then you could essentially have like 30 of these things putting these on conveyor belts to the point where your conveyor belt is like overflowing. So you and right. slowing down. So now you have to split it up into different things. And then from there, you can take that and turn those into other items, which I didn't even really grasp at first. And then all of a sudden, like the light bulb went off and I was like, man, I can do so much and I don't have to actually do anything. I just have to build it. And it's, it's pretty cool. Like, yeah, I'm it, definitely really intrigued. It's, you guys thought of it. It is beyond addictive, too. It, it sounds so fucking rich. addictive. Just the whole idea that you start with, like, nothing yes. and you build up. Well, it's human nature for oh. guys, I guess, you want to keep building. Yeah. More. I was I was talking to my wife about it because I was like, there's a reason this is so addictive. And it's because it literally, it, like, fires on every addictive, like, trait, like, a person that can have, which yeah. is, like, the, re- the reward factor yes. of doing it. Yeah. And also, like, the planning and design, like, it makes you feel smarter. So, like, it, it seems like a difficult challenge, but, like, there's this, like, intelligence-based reward. So it's, it, it's, it's a, at most times, it's an overwhelming challenge. And the reward comes from systematically breaking it down yeah. into, uh, you know, edible chunks that you can manage at one time. Mm-hmm. Because really, like you say, like, if you're playing this game correctly, then... The bulk of your gameplay, if you're putting 50 hours into it, like 45 of those should be you um, basically rearranging pieces on the map yeah. to, to be the most efficient, right? You shouldn't be running materials back and forth from any type of machine or anything like that. No. Really, which yeah. is what I was doing a lot. Yeah, I know, beginning. right? Like, then I got it. And, yeah. you know, what I do now if I need things is I, I have them automating. And if I need, like, belts, I just have 
one um, transporter taking it out of a out of that uh, assembly machine, putting it into a steel box for me. So yeah. I have like a million conveyor belts that I can just build with. Yeah. And you also get to the point where you get like fast belts. And then like depending on like how much of one item is coming, how much of another, you can have like um, a bottleneck in your like factory, right? So like you're you're not getting enough um, like gear wheels. And you're like, damn it, I need more gear wheels. So now you need like faster belts to transfer the gear wheels faster. Yeah, yeah that's I ended up with that because a lot of things need those gear wheels. Yeah, I found but that too. You it's so you manipulate you literally manipulate it down to you look at the crafting time of whatever thing you're putting in this assembly machine. If you're if you're you know mass producing ammo, which isn't a good example because it only takes one part, but it takes you know an X amount of seconds. You're feeding in product two different products into this machine, one at Y and one at Z. Maybe the Z product needs a faster conveyor belt to make them hit that machine. Like it's insane. Yeah, it's sometimes crazy. they need two. Like this, like one item to get made might need like four gear wheels, but only like one piece of like steel. Right. So at that point, you're like, well, I might try to feed two whole belts of this yeah. these gear wheels, right? <laughs> yeah. It's it gets out of control. It does. It gets, like my my I'm just starting now to organize my shit properly. Mm-hmm. But there are belts fucking everywhere. Like, so I've been starting to get into like the online stuff, like the Reddit like forums, still trying yeah. to read a little bit. And I, I did what ended up helping me too was watching a video of like someone automating the second level science stuff. And ah, I was okay. like, I was like, okay, like I'm getting this. I like uh, with the the three, yeah, the three things, the yeah, three potion things, yeah, or the the two. I, not the third. Oh, okay. Yeah, just okay. the second level, just the green and red. Yeah, that's so funny though. Like you and I both figured out how to do that. Yeah. But like we both did it in, in different ways. Yeah. You did it in, in in the more efficient way, I think. Yeah. But I also think that could greatly depend on the randomly generated map that you started with. Yeah. So I'm I'm right next to a big iron and copper. Okay. Yeah, I have those two pretty close. My coal's really far away. My coal's close too. My stone is far, but stone isn't as uh, important yet. So. I'm. I don't know. Are you putting in lots of walls? Are you building? Lots I have of not put any walls in. Oh, see, I started to do that immediately as soon as those stupid aliens. Oh, that's the other thing. So on this and inha- this planet, if the, when your pollution gets to a certain point, you attract the the uh, native life and they attack your shit and try to kill you. Oh wow! So you can you build like turrets and you arm yourself with assault sh- uh, guns and. Shotguns, and eventually you can research how to make tanks. Yeah. And that's crazy. But yeah. here's the crazy thing: you can fully automate that. So you could set it up so you have uh, magazines of ammo being made on belts, yes. and have them all being transported Getting and, and being gun. put into guns. Into the guns. <laughs> and you could put them. I, I, like I read some like uh, some people talking about, it and like they, they even make, oh they make goodness. a wall, and then they make an outside wall that's almost like staggered, like. Um, as if like oh to yeah like teeth yeah like dragon's teeth kind of thing yeah hold up enemies yeah so they get stuck in this they get funneled and then they get wailed on by these guns yeah oh my goodness you could make a sequel to starship troopers right here i'm just imagining like ways of pissed off wildlife and they evolve too they evolve to counteract your like evolution your own evolution in the oh science. man why do i not own this game how much does it cost it's, it's like, like 25 bucks. bucks oh fuck i'm so buying it tomorrow. <laughs> it's so worth it i'm so it's buying so it tomorrow it. no no i'm serious it's on it okay so when i first saw it it was just ran it was on steam and it was like a 98 percent user positive rating which is insane yeah and i was like man that, like that's that's crazy for anything on steam right everyone hates everything on anywhere and uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fucking millennial. I i don't like i saw a few negative reviews and they're mostly like this is confusing and it is confusing but it's not as confusing as 
you'd be led to believe. You put some time in, and you, may, you might have to watch some tutorials and like kind of grab. But once you, there's that eureka moment, and I was driving to work, and I'm like, I all of a sudden I was at work, and I'm like, how did I get here? My head had been running with conveyor belts and transporters and all this shit for like 35 minutes, and I realized I drove to work like automatically. So I I automated my drive to work, which is cool, <laughs> uh, you know. But like, it was really permeating my brain, and to the point where like, I I was I've been driving my wife oh, a yeah. little insane. Yeah, I've it. I seriously every morning I get up, I have to debate whether or not I am taking my laptop with me to work and trying to find <laughs> a hidey hole to go and play it for eight hours. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh yeah, because there's always something. There like, is, that's there the is. thing. Like, you and you know what? I automating the science. Yeah. I'm just like. Um, you know, I'm, I figure that I'm just going to ride up the train and redo it once I need three different components for yeah. the research. So right now I'm just doing everything with the, the two, yeah. the two levels. And, but now I have so much shit. I don't know how any of it works now. I have, I've researched so much that I just haven't got to or I'm not at a position to really use. Yeah. So I don't know if I'm doing that as efficiently as I possible because I actually only just recently found the, um, the the research the technology that allows me to actually develop that third uh, resource for more yeah. technology. It's tough, right? and then now you need oil. Yeah, now see, need, yeah. and now I found I, there's oil so far away. I went up there, and it was right next to a nest of monsters. Yeah, and so I I put down a bunch of refineries, mm-hmm. and of course I left, and they just fucked it up. Yeah, fucked, so now I put some turds up there, and they're just you know sis, I get warnings systematically like oh. This turd is getting attacked. I was like, okay, well, I hope I have put enough ammo into it. Yeah. So I think like that's that's where I'm. That's kind of where I'm at right now. Like mm-hmm. I need to go explore and kill aliens now. Yeah. So like for me, it's getting to the point where I got to build these walls. Yeah. I got to make like a turret automations defense system, and I also got to clear cut like a forest that's in my way. Oh shit. Now. I, I figure something out good there is you can use grenades very efficiently to clear oh, cut the forest or, awesome. or the upgraded shotgun. Oh, cool. So um, I, at first I didn't realize how to fire the damn gun without actually shooting at an alien. Right. Um, but then I was just clear cutting trees with a shotgun, which was hilarious. Yeah, and, well, it doesn't allow you to shoot the gun all the time. I think only if you're if you're able to – if you, you destroy something, you're allowed to shoot, I think. Yeah, like, you, you have, have to around. have something selected. Yeah. See. It, like you hit C and then it fires at a oh at a oh okay yeah. I didn't know that then because like I was um I looked up like if there was a way to uh you know like recycle old part old machines that you don't use anymore that are just now outdated like the yeah. like the burner miners right the very first thing that you use to mine uh, ore and stuff yeah um and there's no system in the game that allows you to recycle it and like salvage parts from it mm-hmm. which which i guess is not entirely necessary but at times it could be nice if like again i'm, I'm failing at automating resource production as efficiently as i should mm-hmm. so there are times where i'm low and i could use recycled pieces yeah not that that matters but my point is i read that you just throw that shit in a box and then just shoot the box with a shotgun and it just destroys it. Oh. So it doesn't take up any of your inventory slots. Right. Or you, it just gets rid of it. <laughs> That's cool. I, yeah, I got to do some clear clearing of house too because I've got a lot of stuff from that era. Yeah. That is very disorganized. Yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you know, I don't want to go on about this for three hours. But, no, uh, you, know, you know what I'm sensing is I'll get it and we'll just review it in depth later. Oh, yeah. I think it's I'm something. so down for that. Yeah. And so you guys will get more chance to play. So let's do that. 
I'm yeah. definitely sold. So, you know, final thought for me is, like, I can honestly see myself putting a lot of time in this game. It's it's really fun. Yeah. Well, if you guys looked at your Steam hours, how many hours you put in? I think yeah. around 11 or 12. That's I think it? I might be closer to 20. Oh, okay. It yeah. sounds like it could easily be a 100-hour-plus game. Oh, I've seen some people on Steam with, like, 3,000 hours. That's <laughs> like insane. Oh, that's yeah. insane. See... I am wondering when or how many hours it will take me before my laptop just can't take it anymore. Yeah, that's true. I because, got, uh, I this got game's, a ways to go. This game is very uh, heavy on GPU mm-hmm. because of because uh, of the, the the pixel things, right? It uses a different thing, so it's not it doesn't tax the CPU like a norm a regular game will. Yeah, it 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 hits the GPU. Yeah, uh, because of oh sprite the sprites because it uses a lot of sprites. Sprite yeah, based. there's a that's lot of moving parts. Because if you like zoom out in your factory, everything's moving, right? And your factory can be enormous. So there's a lot happening right. on screen at once. Um, yeah, I've noticed I haven't had any issues with mine. Oh, hopefully, Jesus, I really hope I don't have issues with that game. Yeah, you shouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be insane. I'd be very disappointed in my computer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it has actually, because I've been running that thing at full ultra, obviously, because I mean, it's not really graphically intensive. Yeah, I haven't adjusted any of my own specs. So. No. I think that'll give me some more longevity for my play on my machine. Probably. Yeah. And I'm, I've noticed my, um, like, I check the heat on my GPU quite often. Yeah. Because it automates that, and it's very low. Oh, okay. So cool. it's not pushing it very hard yet. Oh, that's good. That's okay. good. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. Well, I think right. I'll, I'll skip my banter. Yeah, my banter is small. Um, it's just I, I want to bring up that HBO has ordered a pilot of a Game of Thrones uh, prequel. But this isn't what you would think of a prequel in that, you know, it takes place 10, 20 years before the current uh westeros kind of story it's like ten thousand years before um that's smart though keep it, it get it really far away it's from completely yeah. fresh is it like brand new there is there zero source material from, from martin from it's R. written R. by no, it's written grm by, yeah oh, okay. it's written by martin because now, what what were those other books like the you know the duncan and the egg or whatever that yeah, those oh, are shit. set about 150 years before. Oh, okay. Yeah. I knew they were set before. I just yeah. had, I this, wasn't sure on that. This time. is more about an age. Apparently, Westeros was in some ancient golden age, and it descended into a dark age, but it was called, like, the Age of Heroes or something like that. Yeah. And this is about that transition. Essentially, it's oh, about cool. the uh, cool. the first reveal of the White Walkers. Yes. So, when the, during their first... Ah, uh, uh, so all that flashback shit when you see, like, from their origin, it's around yes. that time. So, it's, it's essentially from the time when they built the wall, and they... Did all, like, okay, yeah. that's actually cool. Yeah, so all these, I'm interested in all that. these like uh, mythological characters Everything, that, that everyone's been there. talking about, it's about that. They exist. Yeah. And you know what? There are there are encouraging signs that movie or shows like this um, can be successful. I mean, you look at Better Call Saul. That's considered like one of the greatest dramas since Breaking Bad, and it's a spinoff of you know um, Breaking Bad. It's doable. It's doable. Yeah. It's doable. As long as you treat it right. Give it its own identity. Exactly. But that's what I like about it being so far in the past. Yeah. You wipe the slate. You don't have to bring back one or two characters. You just bring mm. all new characters. Yeah. In. You can also have some cool, you know, fan service because it, it will involve the Starks to some extent, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, some ancient Winterfell stuff will be cool. Uh, yeah. I, I don't really know exactly the the breadth of it, like, how far across the world it's going. I Six don't know. Miles. Yeah, because it's not really in, it's not really incorporating uh, like the Targaryens or anything. Because it's not gonna, oh, yeah, it's yeah. not gonna have. Jeez, um, I'm like a big nerd too. What are they? The Val, Val, Valkyries, the Valkyries. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay. What, whatever those. What? What were they from again? Dude, you know, you know the two people you're talking about. Leland doesn't give a fuck, and Moby doesn't. I haven't retain seen it in like four years because yeah. I don't have. HP. Yeah, but what, okay, where do the Targaryens come from? That's that like ancient uh, Valeria. They come from Valeria. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, I knew it was like a valley or something. Uh, okay, okay. Yeah. Valley high, river, yeah. river deal. Uh, I've read a lot of like other fantasies since I last like watched any Game of Thrones because it's been a year. Yeah. Like a lot happens in a year. Yeah, a lot does right. happen. I became a conservative in a year. That's right. <laughs> Martin, Moby is extremely proud of this. All Dr. Right. Jordan Peele. Thank you for your banter. Thank you for okay, your banter. That's for the next episode, Moby. That's right. We'll take over. We'll create the... Never mind. I'm All right. Sure. We're keeping this rolling. I'm going to yeah. move on. We're going to yeah, move on move to on. the crazy about cardboard, where we, uh, as previously noted, are reviewing Transatlantic. Uh. Designed by uh, the infamous Mac Gertz of, uh, I think, mostly known for his previous game, Concordia. Uh, So, what did you guys think? First impressions. Well, first impressions, let's start with Marty because I just played my third game. Right. So, full disclosure, this would be, this was Marty's, we played right before the episode. This is Marty's very first play. So, we kind of get in his hot takes. I played this, I think, five times now. And Moby, this was your third? Third time, yeah. Yeah, you know, uh, one of the things I've noticed right away about a game like that is when I start playing it, I'm like, okay, this could be really overwhelming. You know, there's a lot of pieces, Mm -hmm. and I'm like, oh, like, I have to review this in two hours. This could be, like, kind of stressful to get to, like, understand, enjoy, play this competitively, and actually have something to say. Think about it, yeah, Yeah. totally. So I'm like, okay, this is a lot, because we're going to review it two hours later, right? Uh, This one, though, within about 20 minutes, my first thought was, this is a lot of fun. Right? Cool. Like, I was thinking, okay, th- I get the point of this. The scoring, I was a little bit iffy on the end game scoring. Yeah. Until the, you see it, it's kind of hard. The end game player board thing. Um, honestly, that, like, I've only played doing that correctly, like, my last two games. Like, it took me three games to get all the rules down. Yeah. Which I'll yeah. come back to. You know, and, and I'm almost not sure if I like the end game scoring. It's kind of, I don't know. It's maybe it's a little bit hard to understand. Like, it's pretty, con- it's a little, little bit convoluted. In my opinion, yeah, I, I could see, I could um, see you thinking that. Yeah. You know, especially because that's what made me lose. That uh, that affects <laughs> affects my uh, feelings on it. Right? Had you purchased even one more ship, you would have won. E, totally, yeah. But you know, I felt like throughout the whole game, I was competitive, and I had like a yeah, strategy yeah. planned right away, which is good. You like, totally, yeah. when you can get a strategy in a game like that right away, it feels good. At least you have like a, something you're working towards. Right. And in some of those games, like I'm just like I don't even know what I'm doing yet. Um, what was a the Twilight Imperium. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, the first little bit of that. I'm like, I, I have, oh, a, yeah. I have a strategy, but like, I had no end game to the strategy. Like, I didn't understand yeah. the, how the game worked yet. You know, sure, yeah, of and course, the, and of with course. this, I was like, I got a pretty good idea. You know, like that's and, good. And until the end, when it didn't pay off again, which seems to be like the story of my life, um, <laughs> <laughs> it's like ninety percent there and then fail. Uh, you know, at least with board games. Right. And yeah, you know what? A lot of fun though. A lot of fun. Cool. Yeah, I from my point of view, I love the game. Um, there's a lot to like about it. Uh, man, which where do I start? Well, I guess with the why don't um, you just give a rough general impression, and then I'll go into some more details on gameplay, and then we can dive sure. a little deeper in with some context. The game has excellent pacing in that I feel like it has its own intrinsic engine via its mechanics to make sure that the game doesn't go too long. It drives itself forward be completed i'd say what hour 20 something like that uh 
More like an hour 35, probably. Hour 35. Yeah, but good. I feel like you're always going to land around then because of how the game pushes itself forward. I won't get into detail on it because, honestly, I haven't read it yet, but I am a guy who loves coal-fired ships. Like, that's something completely outside of the podcast that's a personal interest. I love how this game went for historical accuracy. It could have just made up bullshit ships that didn't actually exist, um, but instead it has not only real ships, but that they come in the years that they were actually made, and that it's a core mechanic of the game. I just... Just on a personal level, I appreciate that so much. Cool. Um, yeah, I just really appreciate it. Yeah, when I first uh, saw this, I, I knew this would be right up your alley. Like, <laughs> I, I was like, well, if anybody's going to play this with me, it's going to be a moment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'll, I'll go into a brief overview because I think I my opinions, I want to get into some more details, I think. Sure. Um, so in Transatlantic, uh, it's, it's, you know, overall an economic game. Where you are purchasing and uh, launching ships in sea regions and basically transporting goods with them, very abstractly transporting. So you have on the you have a the main board is just um, depending on the player count, anywhere from three to five sea regions, uh, each with uh, three spaces for a ship to be to occupy, except for the main center region, which has a fourth. And there's a the 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 row of ships that you are able to purchase up top, and when you purchase them, you just launch them uh, according to the action that you've taken. The actions are driven by uh, a hand of cards that you have. On your turn, you'll select one of the uh, cards from your hand to play, and then take the action. And you just do that around the table until you hit a certain point where you're able to play either the director or the president card, depending on the variant you're playing, to then reclaim the cards that you have just played. So as you, as the game progresses, you, you're going to have a kind of a ebb and flow of the options that you have available to you. And I think the ordering of how you do things plays a big part into this game and, and how you be successful and, again, efficient with the actions you're taking. You know, actions range from, uh, like I said, purchasing ships, uh, transporting ships in various ways. There's a thing called investing, which allows you to populate your personal player board. And the player board affects basically endgame scoring and, and how valuable your sh- the ships that you've purchased are at the end of the game. Because there are five different colors of ships, each with, you know, they come with a, a colored flag on them. And you are assembling this grid on your personal player board, filling up rows and columns with tokens and that increase the, the point value of the ships at the end of the game. And that's basically, that's generally the gist of it without getting into crazy minuscule details, which we can do while we talk about it. Yeah, I think that pretty much covers it. One of the mechanics I actually really enjoy was the, uh, the president card is a cool mechanic. And the fact that you get to choose a new extra like super card that plays immediately after you play the president card. And then because of the way the game's set up, you can actually, if you have the right card, you can duplicate someone else's super card. And and then you can duplicate that again. Like it's pretty cool. Right. Because one of the cards you have access to is called a ship agent, which just copies the last card. Yes. And it doesn't copy the president. It copies the card that the president card allows you to play. Exactly. Right. Which I thought was really neat. Yeah, Um, that's cool. 
you know, thinking about the game, I realized there's probably two ways to victory, and that's either score now or score later. And I think, like, obviously you need a balance of the two. I think so, yes. But, like, there certainly is, like, a aspect of that where it's like, okay, I'm just going to try to make as much money now and buy as many ships and get a lot on the board for that end of that game. Yeah. You know? But you also don't want to get them bumped off too early, right? You just you just score them. But they will be much, they'll be way less valuable. Exactly. Yes, and then right. later on, they're worth more depending on how your board is kind of panned out, right? Right. So, yeah. You I, know what's interesting about that bump? So, for listener, just more detail, when you deploy a ship, it's called, and you choose a region of the ocean, um, the way they deploy is you have to deploy it. The ship must be the youngest ship in the row. And then it slots in at the top of the row and pushes all the cards down. Now, if there are already three ships in that space region, in that ocean region, and it's full, it the ship on the, the oldest ship is basically bumped off and, you know, like as if it's being retired because it's now the technology is outdated. It's too old. It's gone to the docks and to the scrapyard. I think what's interesting about that is, one, it, it can it can vary the regions that you can possibly put ships to. So it 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 uh, varies that up. Right. So, I mean, in this game, we actually kind of each for the most part, dominated a single ship region. Yeah. yeah. Which I think we could have done a lot better getting into each other's face. Yeah, we kind of didn't do much of no, that. No, no, we kind of didn't. But... A that, little bit in New York. But that... Oh, yeah. That bump off, though, is a great way... You can bump yourself off. Yeah, you're scoring some low points. But when that ship bumps, if it has coal on it, you get that free ship. You get that free transport. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's almost like you're taking a like a you're getting an action and a half. Yeah, I did that on one of my last turns. Actually, yeah. you know, I really want to say that I love the action selection mechanic because I think what it does is takes um, a very complex way of playing the game, which is that you have so many different possibilities on your turn. The game designer could have just come out with a sheet. It gives you like 20 different actions or 15 different actions that you can do. You can cruise, you can ship, you can transport, and then you get to pick one of those. Instead, you get cards, and you can only do one, and you have to get the order right. I just think it's genius. I think it breaks down the game to a level that's moderate or lower difficulty for people that don't play a lot of complex board games to actually get into this. Like... I don't know how much you would like it, but I could totally see your wife as getting into this game within 20 minutes as well and being like, you know, enjoying it, even though she has no intrinsic love of complex board games or steamships or anything like that. No, she wouldn't like it. You're pretty sure I'm pretty sure like, like she is just not a board game person. Okay. Like she is, she is the kind of person who likes a card based board game for that plays out in about 25 minutes. Oh, okay. right. Okay. Yeah. Talk. Okay. So, but. I guess what I'm getting at there is that maybe people in general that wouldn't like complex yeah. board games, this has a lower entry point to enjoying it and understanding what's going mm-hmm. on. I think so too. I think that's right on the nose. And to the to the runtime thing, like you were saying, Moby. Uh, yeah, the game this game scales perfectly with player count because uh, if you play two to four, if you play with two players, you play with less ocean spaces. So there are less spaces for less players to be bumping each other's ships and stuff like that and competing for, for space in the ocean regions. And also, so the main the main deck of ships, it's, you know, the ships are cards. And the deck runs from, you know, the back of them have numbers from 1 through 10. And 
this signify this is the timer of the game as you purchase ships uh, anytime someone purchases one or more ships from the from the the market row the leftmost ship is sent to the docks which contributes to ships scoring more points at the end of the game and during the game because that signifies the ships becoming more like more rare so if you have five white ships in the dock and you get a, a an owned white ship bump you're going to score at least five points for that white ship so but during setup in that deck of ships you subtract a certain number of ships depending on the player count thinning that deck meaning the playtime the general playtime is always going to be the same like you were saying yes. Moby. so yeah this this game does a really great job of being excellent at all player counts the economy scales very well, too. I feel like the ships, when you buy more advanced ships, the game doesn't really become unbalanced. Like, they give just the right amount of additional money, and they work well with the advanced cards, such as crews, yeah. to bang out. You know, you start banging out 150 pounds, or I don't know what it stands for, 150 million pounds, 1,000 pounds, from these different ships. Um, and you start feeling like you're rich, but then when you start hitting ships like the, uh, you know, the Mauritania, the Olympic, the Campania, which I think is possibly the only unbalanced ship in the game. I think it's come really? up a couple times. Yes. You got it this time. Yeah. I had it last time. It, I know it's expensive, but it comes up so early and can dominate so long. That's the one ship I, I have a problem with. So that's a good point. Yeah. I, I had my eyes on that one too. Yeah. Right away, I'm like, this is right. a standout ship. It honestly right. feels like taking Rex in Twilight Imperium 4. It's like, you want to get Campania. I wanted it. I yeah. didn't say that we were playing. I was going for it. So was I. I if money. he hadn't taken it that round, I would have taken it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. what was it bust at? 26 knots? Like, that can't be beaten until the very I think it's end. 23. I think it's 23. 23. Which is 23. crazy, because so, up, up until then, everything was 19. Which is a good, nice segue into explaining that. So the ships, uh, not just being ships and colors, each ship has a tonnage, a speed, and a passenger capacity. Now, depending on the president or the director variant, those come into play a little more, depend, you know, I or they don't. But specifically in the in the center row, which the the ocean spaces we were playing are actually double sided. We I was just playing with like the American versions, but the other side I think are um, there are other locations, right? Yeah. So for us, the main board was New York, and in that that center ocean segment that has the four spaces. That's where you can get the blue ribbon. I love the blue ribbon. So if you uh, deploy a ship to that ocean region and it is the fastest ship, you earn a blue ribbon for your personal player board, which, you know, there are blue ships and that corresponds to the blue ribbon. So getting those are important for endgame scoring as well. Yes. They're actually really important. Yeah, I didn't focus on them enough in this game. And I, I think it has to be a priority for every player to get at least two blue ribbon. Yes, I think so. I think you need two. That's yeah. the magic. No, it screws up your scoring if you don't. If yeah. yo, if you don't, you're screwed. Yeah, yeah you are screwed. Because uh, on your personal player board, it's rows of it's four rows of five, right? And if you complete a whole row, the first row is worth five points. The second row is ten, and fifteen, and then twenty, etc. Compounds really fast, right? It does. So if you're only like I filled up two rows and yeah. scored partial points from my third, yeah. But you guys didn't fill up. No, I filled up one. You guys only filled up one, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. there, that's 10 extra points that I just gained on. Well, not necessarily, but generally yeah. 10 more points than I've gained over you guys. Yeah. Depending plus on what plus those ones can help you score on ship for endgame scoring. That's right. 
Yeah. That's right. So I only went. I went full coal. You never go full coal. Yeah, you went full <laughs> coal. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean that that comes down to the teach too. That I it is a weird concept. And again, like that personal player board scoring, I've only like just grasped myself because the rule book for this game is very very Poor. bad. Yes, it's not yes. good. There's also some coloring issues in a couple of the game pieces. Oh like yeah, that. there's a yeah, there's a misprint on the invest card. It's yeah. it's it should be colored red. The the icon should be red, but it's actually yellow. Yeah. Um, it does have like a a, a luggage graphic, although yeah. it is super tiny because it's on it's on a card, right? Yeah, yeah. That that's a that's a graphical uh, design error. But yeah, the rule book is is. It's easy to like, like you you read it, and you get through it, but like I feel like it's not laid, it's not laid out very well, and it's it's like a, a specific important clause. They're kind of like located in weird spots, like it's in the middle of a paragraph, so you can't. It's not good to quick reference. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so yeah. like a couple times we were trying to quick reference during the game, yeah. and I was trying to do it during yeah. your guys' turns, but the turns are very quick. Yes, generally, it's right. A, it's not a bathroom reader. This thing you gotta. You gotta sit before laying bed. You gotta, you gotta absorb it. You gotta play it. Like, like Moby. The first time you and I played it, we played it two players. Yes, we played with all five. Yes, we, we did it wrong. That was very wrong. But I still really enjoyed yes. playing it. Yes. Yeah. Oh wow, you did all five with two players. We, yes. we did, oh, yeah. and basically it was double what you saw today. So we both had like a couple zones where nobody really. Yeah. No, not really, a single ship got bumped. Yes, not prematurely that entire game. So our yeah. scores were out, outrageous. Yeah. 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 So we huh. did it wrong. Yeah, I mean that is that is a major weakness of this game is that you're really as a new player, um, having played with someone who doesn't understand all the scoring and mechanics. Yeah. You're gonna have to bang your way through two, three games with not really knowing what you're doing, and it's yeah. it's unfortunate. I hope they come out with another edition that just writes the coloring era, you know, errors. Um, has a better written manual. That's not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. No, sure. that won't happen. Yeah. Well, there's well. no way that there's no way a second edition of Transatlantic. If there's no second edition of Concordia, the second edition of Transatlantic won't come out. No. Now, I've never played Con- Concordia, and the one main thing I've heard about the comparisons of the two is that. Yeah, this Transatlantic's good, but it's no Concordia. Huh. Interesting. So I am very. I want to. I'm going to pick up Concordia. I think we should play it. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited to actually see our opinion, having played them in the reverse order. Yeah, yes. I think that'll yes. be be interesting to to maybe talk about, chat about. I don't think we need. We don't need to review Concordia, but we could. We could. Well, I want to play it, but we sure. will. <laughs> I kind of feel like it would have a quasi. Well, it's definitely not steamship based. Um, I, yeah. I, I don't even really know what the theme is. It's like, uh, I think it's due mostly with like ancient influence in Rome or something, but it is still like card based. It's still the same. I think the basic, you know, skeletal structure of gameplay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as this being the next game after it, it technically should be like an evolution, you know, I generally, that's how it should go. But I, again, I don't know. I haven't played Concordia. Yeah, I don't know. I just ah, I I love this game from like the first, the second we played it. For all the faults that we just mentioned, and I, I've thought of this before we played today, and today crystallized it. This is my third favorite board game wow. that we played of yours, and that's a lot. Like I go, I actually probably go Twilight Imperium number one. I go cool. Flashpoint two, and I go uh, Transatlantic three. And wow. that that's that is a big deal because we played a lot of board games, and I do include the few board games that 
Well, actually, no, I don't. I don't include Axis and Allies Global, which would probably be my number one overall. But out of the games that we played of yours and for the podcast, yeah, um, it would be number three. Oh, that's and, and we played a lot. That's high praise. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, one last thing I wanted to touch on the the I briefly mentioned, but the director and the president variant. Yes. So basically, those are there are there's a director card or the president card, and you can either choose to play with either one, and though that's the card that refreshes your hand and allows you to pick up the discard pile uh, and gain a, a like a an improved action card from from the action card market. Now the director. It's so with the president variant. Every time you launch a ship, you deploy a ship. You look at the tonnage, speed, and the passenger value. And if those, if any one of those three categories exceeds the the topmost ship in the region that you're launching, that you're deploying to, you gain a certificate. So if you know you could get up to three certificates if you launch your ship in the right region. And when you play the president card, you're allowed to turn in those certificates for um, you can either turn in once get some money or you can get more of more of the um, the tiles that the squares that go onto your personal player board. A citation as Moby like. Oh, know. a citation. <laughs> you're not getting a, you're not getting a ticket for speeding. But with the director. You are in New York. I, off the top of my head, I don't I couldn't tell you what the director does, but there are no you don't play with the certificates. So, Marty, tell me if this interests you. Um, but with the director, you get you get more of a bonus if you wait longer to play it. So uh, I think there's a prerequisite of you you have you you can play it. Um, I saw it. You can play it like after two, but you can wait. Up or I think or it's something. four. I think oh, it's four. four. Okay. But if you wait and play it with after six or more, you get a bit be- a bigger benefit. Ah, so, so what do you, what do you think of that? Just kind of roughly here. Yeah, that's interesting. I think I like the one we played. So do I, and. Um, Apparently, um, Mr. Gertz says that this variant is how the game should be played and was originally designed to play. Okay. Now, Moby, you mentioned that you think it's really a wash between the two. Yeah, I mean, I just didn't notice any difference in enjoyment between the two versions that I played. I Yeah, I don't, I don't know how else to explain it. It just didn't seem like one was much better than the other. And it was kind of just an offhanded comment. Yeah, you know, and I know, and I know it was, and I'm springing this on you, but I very much uh, enjoy the president ver- uh, variant, and I think that those certificates, they, they it adds just a little extra, little bit, right? It does, it and does. I think that I don't want to say the director, you know, the the director version doesn't have the same amount of layers, but I don't know, the president just kind of puts that little twist on it, and it. It change it it potentially if you're paying attention to it changes up your deployment when you're throwing ships out, which could also then you know spiderweb into a bunch of other decisions of where you choose to invest because in each ocean region if you can invest and put out these little houses when you um, ship or transport from your ships in those ocean regions with houses they score you additional points so mm-hmm. you can kind of like nickel and dime a bunch of points which is what M- Marty that was your main. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, I was trying to nickel and dime my way to victory. It almost you, worked. You almost did, yeah. But I think that that allows, um, you know, to spread out to – it entices the players to invest in different regions a little more, I think. Right. So that's why I prefer the president. And it, I, I don't – it adds that layer, but it's not too much for to, – to teach a new, a new player. Like it's not, it's not putting too much onto this game. 
that, oh, we should probably start with a director, and then now that you're familiar, I'll work you into the president. It's, no, it's I definitely hear not like that. I hear you. I hear you. And I think if the president was the way that the designer originally wanted the game to be made, go with that. Like, I'm a, I'm a guy who wants authenticity, so... Like I have no, I, I have no problem with the president card at all. So let's just go with it, listener. Run with the president card to start. President, president. Well, okay. I mean, I don't know. Was there any last closing thoughts you guys had? Anything you haven't, we haven't touched on? You know, we don't really do this, but you know, I guess we talk about a lot of board games here, and a lot of them are fun to review. But I can't really say go out and buy it. But I would say, listener, like, at all, if you know two, three, four people that are moderately interested in board games, this is a buy. This is something I would buy. I would buy this and play this with my family. Yeah, you know what? I would I would try to play this with my wife at home to see if I could get her to like it, because it's, it's pretty fun. And to say I'd play a game outside of this core group, which is pretty rare for me. Right. saying something. Yeah, right, totally. Yeah. That, well, that's that's nice praise. I'm really glad you guys like it because I really like this game. This is like currently in my top favorite games of my collection. Well, right you own a lot of games and to be frank, a lot of them will play like once or twice. Or oh, yeah. Play them oh, yeah. Play a lot of them twice. I haven't even played yet. A lot of them you haven't played. Transatlantic, I think you have or at least will get your money out of it because you'll play it again with other people. Yes. Whether it's us absolutely. again or your family or whatever. Absolutely. So. You guys one kind of played a lot like was like the TV show game. We the played. networks. Networks, yeah. It had a lot of the same kind of mechanics where you're trying to put like things into a time slot instead of like a harbor. Yeah, we're going to play yeah. that one again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a, I kind of like that's that. That's an interesting really comparison. Like, I really like that, that mechanic. Like I like yeah. that. Yeah. It's uh, it's weird. It's like almost spatial relation, but not quite right. Like, no, yeah, yeah. That's that's a cool comparison, Marty. Um, I agree with both what you said. I think that's very high praise. I I second it. I definitely. If yeah, get this game. Just just play. It. At least play it. Come over yeah. and play it with me, because this this is a fantastic introduction to Euro style games. This is the very, this is the most. Euro game that I have played with you. It's guys. it's interesting you say that. I wasn't going to bring this up, but I just had this thought like five minutes ago while you you and Marty were talking. Imagine had this game come out. Imagine if Klaus Tauber had made this game instead of, um, you know, Settlers of Catan. Would this be the kind of game with the lower to moderate difficulty European style that might have caught on and became a gateway game? I mean, everything's hypothetical bullshit. Yeah, but I could see it, and that thought crossed my mind. Ah, that's that's a cool thought. Yeah, I think I think the only thing this thing this game Transatlantic is you know quote unquote missing to really hit that gateway yes. level is a is a bit of randomness. The lack of randomness okay, yes. elevates its complexity. Right, right. That's, and I that's think, an interesting and I think it yeah. just pushes it outside of being like a, a really good gateway. But this is an amazing stepping stone. This is a really good step. Absolutely. Stone, uh, maybe, maybe you know what? Maybe it's best, you know, if a guy or I shouldn't say a guy, that uh, a listener has someone who they've got a few people, family, friends. They like Catan. What's the next game I go to? Transatlantic, I think, is in I, 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 Yeah, I, there might be a bit of stumbling over the rules a li- uh, at the beginning, but honestly, but it's worth it. It's even, worth it to muddle through. I will say, despite it being a terrible rule book. The the mistakes you make are not going to break the game. No, they no, will they not won't. break the game. It's no, also not a long enough game where it's so detrimental. I agree with that too. I think this this is a, a great playtime for this game. Yeah, yeah. Right. I think it's a, honestly like 
It's a solid 90 to 120 minutes, depending on your group, I'd say. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the three of us, we busted out again. We could easily finish it in an hour. Easy. Yeah. We could rip through it. No yeah. problem. Easy. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, we, we would rip it. We could really go. Yeah. We could really go. All right. Do we want to score it, like, at a 10? I think we, the way with... We do the, yeah. the rankings. We rank it. I mean, if you guys would like to give it a number, fine. I'm just going to rank it against what we have currently well, reviewed. I'll do that. I'll just rank it. All right, so currently we've only reviewed this Warmine and Kemet. Okay, do we have to have this conversation even? Like, I, I no, think, I know. Well, I know. Let's, let's formalize it, though. I think we okay, all know what we're going to say. For me, for Leela's deal, Transatlantic, boom, top of that list. Yeah. Marty, do you second? Oh, yeah, of course. And I, mean, I third. I think it's an easy pick out of those three games. Be number one. And I will say that's not much context, but for myself, currently this game sits in my top type top five favorite games right now and they have yeah. that top five are always rotating there are there's one in particular that's always up there like shogun is always yeah. up there always a front runner what are the other ones right now well right now okay so i would say shogun transatlantic what are the other ones oh um there's uh, staples like lords of vegas is always up there I love lords of vegas man you put me on the spot like toilet imperium four it's an easy pick oh okay yeah but that was difficult to really like Put in a top five, but yeah, TI four. Like, despite being a ten to twelve hour game, I would literally someone said, "Hey, let's play TI 4 Yeah, I'd be, I'd be like, like, "Yes, so let's do it." Down. Um, TI four, and I don't know. There's four. I don't know what they, you put them on the spot. Tip top wood chop. <laughs> Tip top no, wood chop. No. <laughs> Flick them up. Flick them chips. Flick them up's fun, but it's not top top five. Fun. Oh no, can't dexterity game top five. But so the way that rotates for me is. It's like very generally the last game that I played is often put into that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that works out great. You have four, and then the, there you yeah, go. And then yeah. the next one I play, whatever you play. But yeah, this uh, this is a, a collection keeper for sure. Yeah. All right, listener. There's not much more that can be said. High praise for the game. Go for it. Awesome. We'll move on. Great job, guys. Let's let's continue. To so the next this segment. next segment's kind of hybrid. Do we want Marty to say welcome to the video game variety show, and I say welcome to movie musings at, at the, the same, same time? time? Yes. I say let's do it. Yeah. Three on the count of three, two, one. Yeah. Welcome, welcome to, to video movie game variety movies. show. Yes, that was weird. <laughs> if they that were the weird. same length, that would have played out a lot better. I might cut that out. <laughs> I don't know. It's so awkward that it might be funny to leave in. I'm just saying. <laughs> no, I know. I never cut anything out. Come on. Every yeah. time I say that is like an idle threat. You know what? It's it's this is a good discussion to have because we never really think about it. But um, as long as we've grown up personally, um, movie and video game ratings have been a thing. And I know at certain times, whether it's been Marty carted for once at the movie theater <coughs> um, or, you know, one time me, actually, I think I was carted for a video game. These do pop up from once, you know, once in a while. Yeah. Now I will preface really? this by saying I've never been carded for a video game no. since I've been an adult. When I was a kid, I'd have them try to convince my my mom not to let me play it. Oh, that really? happened with, with Man oh, wow. Manhunt with uh, some of like the Rockstar style games. Yeah, but you know, honestly, like that's good. Oh yeah, no, they were just they were just up front. They're like, yeah. here, like, listen, this is what's in this game. And to be fair, I mean, I'm going to talk about Manhunt later a little bit because yeah. uh, that was really really bad. Oh boy. Um, yeah, you I'm, know, I will say, sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, I want to finish your thought. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say, you know, go ahead. I'm looking at a lot of Okay, for, so f- personally for me, I honestly 
cannot think of a, any particular instance where I have been personally affected and denied any type of content due to an ESRB rating or an MPA rating. No, in fact, I once went shopping for games with you when we were 13 and the, the man there was calling you, sir. Yes, sir. Please buy these every <laughs> games, sir. I watched him. He was very rude what to me. What did I buy? Like you, the you, you bought Twisted Metal Black. Oh, yes. And he was like, oh, sir, is that all for you today, sir? <laughs> I'm like looking at it. I'm lo- shoe I'm, polish, maybe? <laughs> I'm looking at an M-rated game, and he's like, get out of the store, Sonny. <laughs> no, I'm with him. But my point was not that. My point was that I had a very, la- for lack of a better term, lax upbringing. And I was never, you know... I was never that stuff was never denied to me like parentally or you know you know what what I'm saying no no I I know I noticed that about you because like for me it was up until a point but even that like was pretty that was a very early point for me where it stopped being denied you know what I'm sorry I will backtrack that the one thing I remember not for the longest time not being allowed to watch on TV was The Simpsons really yeah that was it and then one and then one one day one camping trip. Like, there was, like, nothing to do. One channel on, like, the RV's uh, TV, and it, it was just playing Simpsons all the time. So, finally, my mom broke down. I was like, just watch an episode. <laughs> and then from there, it was like, okay, whatever. Are you two years old? Because I'm pretty sure your, your mom was, like, the most relaxed I person. I don't. I, I know. I Thinking back on that, I don't know where that Cause came Because I used to go over there and play video games with you and your brother. And we'd be upstairs cursing so loud like like we're like we're like 11 and we're just dropping like some some serious f-bombs like very loud throughout this house that apparently had hollow walls your mom would come up and be like guys i can hear you like in the in the garage (laughs) just chill out yeah and then she she would like look at me and would be like oh yeah yeah Tin's not doing it though, which is my name. <laughs> and like she mostly blamed Colton, which to be fair was pretty accurate. Yeah, he's a mostly <laughs> little shit. But yeah, you know, I noticed that about your house and mine was a little different. So like Family Guy was forbidden for a while. And not anything not like Simpsons was never an issue. You know, I I've watched that since I was very small. Um, violent video games were never really an issue. Violent movies. It was for a period of time it was like sexual stuff like sexualized stuff yeah and family guy and family guy because they had a lot of um uh commentary on uh, christianity that i guess oh, was offensive to my uh father's uh sensibilities, um, sensibilities when, when it came to jesus yeah. um but then even that was like for one summer and then it was like whatever yeah yeah yeah, yeah my case i was much different it's, it's kind of like goldilocks here like no censorship a little bit and a lot and i was a lot <laughs> My mom was extremely conservative. She ran the household when it came to media. Um, not only were we restricted on media time to an hour per day during weekdays, but we were heavily restricted on what kind of movies and video games we could play. Both were judged harshly. Video games were judged even harsher. There were times where, like, really traumatizing situations where... You know, I had to return video games that I rented or that were bought for me, which was really sad. Like, I, I have some funny stories I could share. I don't know. I could share them later, but I'd like to share them because they are they are legitimately funny. But, um, yeah. <laughs> we'll be the judge of that, buddy. Come on. Well, okay. Well, tell well, your you story. guys probably heard the story, but I think listener would I think that. that's a safe bet that we've heard your story. Uh, totally yeah. true. Um, ratings meant a lot. ESRB and MPAA uh, meant a ton for my family. 
I know my mom would bring us to Roger's video specifically because they broke down by them by voluntarily on the back of movies. Like it has 15 swear words and this such and such scene of sexuality and this and that. Oh, like they put their own stickers? Uh, Uh, No, it's like they on their own cardboard that would go in like VHS tapes on the back. It would say like rated R, but it would break down how many curse words, what types of curse words, what types of sex, like exactly like. Like, bare breasts in two scenes. Huh. And my mom would look at that a lot. They give her timestamps, too? So close your eyes and plug your ears. <laughs> like Mr. Skin it's like reverse whatever. Mr. Skin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And, I mean, it's it, it was a big deal. We, we had um, closed eyes censorship. And when it was worse, we had closed eyes and cover ears censorship. Oh, and my mom would order that while we watched movies. I had closed eyes for, like, some... Uh, bare breasts when I was like seven and then eventually was like yeah screw it she hated hated two things above all she hated sexual moaning and she hated the death screams of people in in like war situations and those were like the number one and two things she hated now I will say this I mean we laugh about it but like there there is like some traumatizing repressive stuff that is clearly obvious to the way you were brought up like it was I think it was just, it was oh, way yeah. too extensive it was way too to the extensive. point oh, where 100%. like that kind of repression pushes kids into very bad things down the road or makes them really like screwed up later like they're so repressed oh 100% it very rarely goes the middle and, and I'm one of those guys overall that kind of rebounded like as soon as I got on my own at all like right away I was digging into Resident Evil Silent Hill all sorts of shit, horror movies, like anything that was anything that was kind of like um, graphic or uh, you know, kind of violent stuff. I went, I I went into that just to experience it because I never got that as a teenager. Yeah, you know, to be to be fair, I mean, this might be a little bit of a personal, uh, you know, view of you, but I think you've even gone further than some people in like seeking out violent games or like scary things like yeah yeah i would agree psychological that. stuff that it seems like that's some of your favorite stuff yeah you're a psycho no I, I would agree with that <laughs> like and some of the things you send me i'm like matt why are you even looking at this well like, it certainly affected my sense of humor which is extremely dark like, yeah we'll go to very very low levels to make a joke um and yeah I, I mean i would tell that to my mom if she was right here sitting in the other chair i would say this is a result of you know raising someone like that because it's human nature to want to look at what's forbidden why is this forbidden to me why can't i have it well Especially. we have a surprise for you moby's mom come on up. hey hey <laughs> <K> money <laughs> sit down <laughs> yeah that was a weird little psychological conversation but i'm totally down to diving into these so I'm actually more excited over the ESRB anyway, so yeah, let me dive into that. You know, me too, because I really, I think movies are a little more straightforward. Mm-hmm. I agree. Mm-hmm. I think that yeah, is the thing. Like, true. Video games are different because you play them. and the, okay, you're, you're doing those acts. You're not watching them. You're yeah, also just watching it's, them. And it, I think it also is, a, it is psychologically different. I mean, I don't know if it's nearly as bad as the way some people feel about it, and I think that's... That could be yeah, a whole results in violent school shootings and yeah, and now but there, I mean that's a whole can of worms. Yes, like, what I, is I, that, right? Yeah. Like, that's not just watching violent media. That, but although I think violent media can have a effect on someone who is already susceptible to that. Oh yeah, totally. And that that's is true. something that we certainly, I think, ESBR ratings are good for that reason. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's you have to be able to help people when especially when parents want to help then be like i don't want my kid to see this and maybe this kid shouldn't be playing this 
it having that there for for parents to have is great. And I think ESBR ESRB is I mean really it was developed as like a third party s- system to kind of come in and be this overall video game rating system because initially it looked like I think Sega was the first one that implemented their own rating system. Yes. Yes. And then ESRB kind of took over and kind of rated everything that was released into a physical medium uh, since 1994. You know, yes, and, that's, and it, it, that's the, I think they're really the only the North American. Wow, that's not very old. You know, the North American. No, it's, racism. it's not that old. It's not that old. And you know, it's interesting as I read up on it. At first, I was thinking like, oh yeah, this is just bullshit created by you know censorship guys and in, in the you know politicians and whatnot. But the more I thought about it, the more I looked into it, and as someone who may or may not become a future parent, I was kind of like, you know what? Yeah, I want to have these boxes stamped with this. And, you know, ESRB has a couple extra levels that MPAA doesn't have for movies, and I think that nuance kind of makes it more helpful to pick things and the fact that I grew up with it. Like, no kid of mine will probably play an M-rated game under 13. I mean, that's just a thing. And yeah, and I don't, I, you know, I don't think 18 is the right age for most kids, obviously, right? Yeah. Because, I mean, obviously, most Emory games aren't that bad. No. No, some are terrible. Some are just ridiculous, right? But a lot of them, the, I mean, it's really just some like violence that you'd see every day on television, right? Yeah. And you, know, you could argue that that's too much for some kids, too. But I mean, 13 is, I think, a good, a good kickoff point for a lot of kids. You know, like yeah. you could argue that. I, I know I played some violent video games before that, but now violence is so graphic, right? That's the sure. difference. You know, Goldeneye compared to, uh, you know, call it the newest Call of Duty. Like, that, that's a big leap. Well, well, and the ESRB has a teen rating. Yes. That's what I like. They have a teen rating. They also have an E10 plus rating, which is for milder violence that's not bloody, kind of more cartoony or spaceships or whatever. And I like that it has that that kind of nuance to it. I like it too. I like that there's the E and there's the E ten plus. That's an yeah. And I would argue that the mature could possibly use that too. Like there's a lot of area in that mature. Like you like it you, is. you're just saying right because yeah. between that after mature comes adult only. Right. That's yeah. a huge extreme. Th- there is a huge extreme to it. Now, do you know why? Like, have you looked into no, it? No. Basically, all three major publishers for console games, Microsoft, Sony, and Nintendo, will not publish an adult-only rated game. So companies are forced. Oh, sure. Forced. It's a sales killer. They're forced. And, and big retailers like Walmart won't carry them. Right. So they have to tone down to mature mm. level. Now, so, yeah, on, on Steam, though, that, on and, Steam, and yeah. digital distribution, that is not an issue. That it. Yeah. You're 100% correct. And that's kind of like the new frontier of violence, per se, because you can get away with stuff on PC, you can't on And this, this, I found that really with and PC, it was a sexual se- content. Sexuality. Because yes, if you, like, there are rabbit holes you can go down on Steam, even, where it's just like, this is really, like, essentially just porn. Yeah. And yeah. I've noticed... Interactive pornography. Interactive pornography, essentially, yeah. right? Yeah. And, like, I've read some reviews on some of them, and, like, some of them were hilarious. Like, this guy's being like, I know mom and dad aren't proud of me, but I'm a happy little boy. <laughs> and, wow. like, and, like, 10 out of 10. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> oh, that's fucking funny. Yeah. That's so funny. I mean, essentially, it's just hente, right? P- pretty much. Yeah. Right. Uh, <laughs> Well, in the, there are, you're right. I looked up a list. There are adult only games which 
um, you know, companies, there's like a few niche companies produce, and they're pretty much all porn games. And they don't care. They don't care that they're listed adult only because they're PC and they have a niche audience. Well, because, I mean, really, thematically, you can really tell a very nuanced adult story without making it porn. Yeah, right? and, like, and incredibly graphic. And how how many nuanced por- pornography-based <laughs> right. stories or films have we, like, really, right? Really, so, like, yeah. No. Yeah, unless you're looking for exactly that, an AO game is really unnecessary. That's a really uh, interesting point bringing in the, the sales aspect because I think when you apply that to MPAA ratings for, for films – that those whether or not a movie is is PG thirteen or R makes a huge difference in box office sales. Oh, hundred percent, way more than than a, than a game being T as opposed to M. Well, well, look look at Deadpool. Look at what a risk, and it was stated over and over by the media again and again. The risk of making an R rated um, superhero film. Yeah. No one wanted to do it for a while. And in a way, Deadpool being made, just it being produced, paved the way to Logan, which all three of us consider one of the best superhero films ever made. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, it's it's you, a weird. You see that boundary being broken now. Yes. Yeah, so you yeah. say it's a very, we're in like a weird transition period that yeah. who knows what's going to open but, up. But I would argue that producers don't care if. Like intrinsically, if a film is R-rated, as long as it makes money. And this goes to back up Leland, who's saying fear over sales or lack of sales is what's creating that barrier. Yeah, yeah. I, I do agree with you, too. Video games, I feel like they don't have that issue. No, not as you much. Know, no. I, I really don't see someone being like, oh, let's not make this M-rated. Let's, if it needs to be M-rated, they make it M-rated. Let's, let's right. not make an M-rated Logan video game because, oh, we're not going to sell any. Yeah. You know? Now... So we touched on on the Steam, you know, unfettered. But like, what if you, if if you have a, a an account on the PSN, do they have any fail safe in there? If you're trying to buy a digital copy of an M rating video game, and say your user account has yeah, a bir- are you put in your birthday right or whatever? Yeah, you just put yeah. in your birthday. I think it's like that kind of system. It's based so there's on there's age. there is no there's no recourse. There's, there's no real. There's I don't no think there is even is an ESRB rating for. I mean, a, I guess for you would digital need a credit card PlayStation game. I don't even think they rate them digitally. Oh, uh, yeah. But if I wanted to get a digital copy of God of War, yeah. it's a mature game. I go on and my, if, my, if I'm 14 years old, I mean, yeah, you, I would need a credit card. You have associated. to set your parental um, settings, I believe. You could, there are, I, there yeah, are things. I think that's it. all it is. But if you, if you have a credit card, you can buy it, I think. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because one thing I found was I noticed like a lot of um, indie companies won't make a physical release because they have to pay for ESRB to raise their game. Oh, man. I totally didn't even think of that. And it depends on the budget of the game, but the lowest possible is if it's under a million dollar budget, you have to pay them three grand to review it. Wow, you did your homework. No, he's right. He's he's researched the exact same stuff I have. Yeah, he's 100% right. Yeah, I also read Wikipedia. Well, a pat on the back for you two. (laughs) See, I, I, I don't do research specifically for listener, so they get my incredibly authentic reaction to some of these outrageous stats that you guys find. Does like just like just your belligerence. Now. He's just entertained <laughs> by your belligerence. Jeez. Well, and like uh, with the MPAA, how, how does that work similarly? Do you guys find anything on that? Not as much as it, it costs because, money. Because or, or having whatever. that board review films often can significantly delay films. They have to go back and make a bunch of cuts and then yeah. it can affect so, the so quality the of the film. ESRB ratings are kind of different. So how, yes. how it works is really interesting. You actually 
have to give them your own kind of like yep. sizzle reel yep. of the of game. The of the worst moment. part of the oh, game. Yes. So now, they, oh, but now don't they, they do the same thing with films? I'm not too no, sure. Okay. No, do they review the whole film? Oh, they do, and then I think they go like, if you cut this out, we could lower yes, you down. Exactly. Yeah, okay, exactly. A little less dick, and we'll cut you down. Right? <laughs> I'm not, like, I'm serious. They did yeah, that yeah, with, yeah. Um, I think it was, uh, what was that, Sausage Party? Like okay. with the big orgy of like saw so- like food at the end, okay. they're like, okay, if you cut out the falafel, you know, masturbating on the pancake, you know, you'll have we'll we'll bring it down, right? <laughs> like, which is an insane notes to get from anybody, right? Um, but with the ESRB is really interesting. You give them a sizzle reel, and then when the full release comes out, they actually spot check games to see if you were being honest, and if you're not, you're liable yes. for a huge fine yes. and game yes. being pulled from shelves. Yes. Uh, so they basically browbeat you. Yeah, you've got to give a sizzle reel, but it damn well better be accurate. But but here's the thing: you give your sizzle reel really before the well before the game's released, um, like while it's still kind of being developed. Yeah. So you have a chance to revise. Right. And a lot of companies will do that. I'm trying to think of situations. I think it might have been Manhunt Two was originally going to be given adults only. And they actually released it as adults only on the PC, solely the PC. But they were able to go back after ESRB said, this is going to be adults only and make like cut out certain blood, make certain scenes black and white. I know that for sure. They did that in number yeah. two. Yeah, they yeah. made some, some black and white. Some scenes. black and white. And then it bumped it down to mature. Now, I wonder maybe that is the reason that there is so much gray in that mature rating. Like there is so much room. Now, how would that affect the process if they did make like a like a mature the equivalent of an E ten for mature? Yeah, like, right. Like that would just complicate so much yeah. more shit. I think and mature make plus. a lot of more people work a lot more difficult. Yeah, and a lot more nitpicky. I think. Yeah, you could be right about that. I think it's also with mature games. I feel like there isn't anyone really feeling like you have to wait till you're eighteen to play a mature game for yeah. the most part, right? Yeah. I mean, it says that you know, like mature. 17, I think, is, like, the age on it, right? Yeah, right, right. But realistically, like, I say most teenagers play mature games. Oh, yeah. You know? Even in my case, well, I mean... Well, what are the... Are the Call of Duty's are teen? Are I think teen? they're mature. I, I thought they were mature. I mean, there's... Oh, you okay. shoot someone, and, you know, there's blood. Oh, right? yeah, yeah. And, like, there's death, and there's terrorism, and, like, there's some pretty graphic stuff. Well, honestly, like, back to the point of never really paying attention to them, like, it's to the point where if you... If I think back on... Uh, any particular title like i honestly can't often tell you whether it was teen or m like this is something i never had to pay attention to and like yeah you could suss it out just by the source material yeah but like i literally had to look over on the shelf there to see if god of war was mature and compared to the god of war for the newest one compared to the yeah series before like honestly i would not have been a stretch to slap a T on that newest game. Like, it's yeah. not as severely savage or graphic as that original. I wonder what makes this one mature. I know. I was trying to think yeah, of that, too, I, because I, the original three in, in God of War 1 through 3, at, at the very least, they all had, you know, ridiculous depictions of Kratos just, like, having sex with somebody or somebody's. <laughs> like, like just, like, for the... Honest, honestly, for the sake of having it in there, like, for the impact of the, in the time, like really useless to have in the games at all but like com- you look at that compared to the newest installment there is nothing like that in it there's yeah. no you don't you don't actually kill anybody 
right? Like, it's like these weird demon things that you're fighting most I, of I yeah. can tell you it's gore and dismemberment that automatically... Okay, I, okay dismemberment. I looked into that. I looked into that. Dismemberment. But none of the enemies, there's no there's no gore. None of the, well, okay, there is gore in parts. But, like, throughout most of the gameplay when you're fighting the common enemies, like, they're not... They're, they don't bleed, but you do dismember them. See, and that's the thing. And... Basically, the most you can get away on team is little, like, blood splotches, like a la Goldeneye, where there's just, like, a red spot. I looked into oh, that specific area okay. this morning huh. when I was okay. looking. That and makes sense. When you get to actual gore spraying out or going onto the ground, that sort of thing, along uh, with the dismemberment that you're automatically boosting. Even if they're, like, sure. alien-esque. Even if it's enemies, alien-esque. Yeah, okay. You're going to find uh, a boot okay. up to make okay. sure. that, yeah. that makes sense because when anytime Kratos fights Balder, he literally gets coated in blood. Yeah. For savagely beating him, so that makes sense. <laughs> well, the, the the first mature game I was allowed to play, and, and it's very notable for that reason. I actually own the game, both a playable copy and a sealed copy, because it was so meaningful to my life. Was Turok Two: Seeds of Evil for Nintendo sixty four, and I had to look up. Okay, well, why is that mature? Because you don't kill a single human all game. Well, it was the fact that even if he had blood turned on to green, that it sprays everywhere. Ah, okay. Yeah, you know, so, I remember playing the Turok when I was very little, and my brother was trying to tell me that the dinosaurs were dropping their Kool Aid when you'd shoot them. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Why would that?" I was, I was seriously confused for a little bit. I'm like, "They don't have Kool Aid. What do they have?" Then I figured it out. And then you saw the Jeff Goldblum Kool Aid commercial promo <laughs> for Jurassic Park. <laughs> well, the Kool Aid will go on. <laughs> what? I don't know. You're I'm so just making weird. bullshit on. So them weird. All. What other points did you guys want to touch on? Oh, I've got one. Okay, so with having this, like, sizzle reel, essentially, you lose the context of what the game's about. And I think, I think that matters. That matters so much. Like, when you think about the new God of War, like, there is, like, a very nuanced story being told. And, like, the violence serves the story to an extent. And the story is, the story is about, like, avoiding violence. Yeah, you're right. You the, know? The, the, yeah, the... the the scenes of that extreme violence and gore do tell the story and lend to Kratos' character and are important to his character, mm-hmm. uh, especially in this specific installment. So that is totally on point. Yeah. But, but yeah. still they, violence. But so. did they get, yeah, right? Did they give a shit? They, they, they don't care about the quality of the game. They just want to, they have their checklist and they try to, they make sure it meets it. Like they don't, I agree. They don't give a fuck about that. But I mean, I guess for me, like, you know, there, well, so there, you're saying that okay, well, violence is justifiable. No, what I'm saying is in a specific circumstance, there are important pieces of artwork in the world that show nudity, that show violence. That show, you know, yeah. art can be a lot of things. Art can be, you know, maybe disturbing. It could be graphic, whatever, right? But it's important, and I think it's important even for young people to see it sometimes, and or quite often, you know, and I think it's important to separate the, what, the what, context. what is, you know, what, what is art from what is just graphic for the sake of being graphic, you know, exploitive. Yes, 100%. You know, I was thinking as you two were talking, like, and I don't think this game exists, but hypothetically, say you had a historically accurate kind of realistic shooter game for the Civil War. And even though there's violence that's gory and maybe the odd dismemberment or something, it's meant to educate about the horrors of war and what the Civil War meant. Should that automatically be mature? 
right? Like maybe maybe it should be teen because the violence is not gratuitous by a wider audience. Exactly important for that wider audience. Yes, and that it's not gratuitous. It's not just there for random reasons. It serves educational purposes, even in this case. I mean, I know it's hypothetical, but see, I think I think we get into that where as as graphic as say a piece of art could can can be it is still it's still it's still very abstracted from the viewer and i think we just kind of circle back to the the difference in in a a video game rating being very different than when applied to a movie Mm -hmm. and the the difference between the two experiences i think that's very similar yeah i also think that you know people are more accepting of artwork for example, or like a sculpture, you yeah, know, right. I mean, it's easy to get away with things like that or even books, you know? Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. but then again, 50 years ago, you, they were banning catcher in the rye in schools. Right. right? Mm-hmm. And that's tame as hell. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now, okay. Now books, you could pretty much put anything, you know, read anything at any age. I mean, they still try to ban books, but you know, it's more focused on the medium of today. Right. And yeah. like even, even music now, no one really cares about. You know, it's right, like, totally. and that was a big thing, right? Yeah. So now, now it's video games are the thing, right? And they have been for a long time. They have, yeah. And movies to an extent too, but I think honestly, it's probably more TV and um, video games because TV is so ex- accessible. Yeah, and the content online, right? Well, in TV, used to also be heavily almost self-censorized or, or censored when it was the major networks that held most of the TV. Yeah, they kept it quite tame. Now you've got, you know, the specialty channels like HBO and Netflix where, like, anything goes. Or even um, Hannibal. Hannibal wasn't on a cable network. I'm pretty sure it was on Fox at one point. Mm. Or something. Or or NBC. It was on NBC. There's some nutty violence there. It was NBC. Yes. And, like, in fact... Only like they would they would go through the same phase where they had to cut out very small things. Uh, like there's an episode of there's an episode of that where um a guy gets fucking bisected for Christ's sake. There's a guy who gets flayed from his back and they make it like angel wings out of like his skin. Yeah, and they, is they, it they, graphic? Very, oh, wow. very graphic. And they you see him dead and he makes a bunch of people into angels. And that all they had to cut out was like the shadow of his genitals. Oh wow! To like, get it on TV, but can't show tits. Don't do yeah. that. <laughs> It's interesting because this isn't universal. I like I know in Europe, for example, it's the violence that's heavily it's censored. It's the opposite. Sex yeah. is they're much lighter on. Which is, you know, I mean, from my perspective, one is a necessary human biological function. I agree. The other is murder. I agree. <laughs> so I agree. Right. right. One you go to jail for. The other one you as you, long you, as you're you, 18 plus, you don't go yeah, to jail. Yeah, the other one you're not supposed to go to jail for if you don't. <laughs> as long as you're responsible. Yeah. Um, okay, can I move on to just a couple comments on the MPA? Yeah, like it's, it's not a big deal. Um, one thing that listener and yourselves might not know is that uh, MPA ratings have not been the same. They've actually only been consistent as we know them since 1990. Um, like, for example, PG-13 didn't exist for the longest time. Yeah. PG-13, the impetus for that was actually Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom because that was PG-rated. They knew it wasn't an R, but even Steven Spielberg himself, who produced it, I think he produced it. I don't think he directed it. I think that was George Lucas that directed it. I might be wrong, listener. 
But Steven Spielberg himself said, you know what? There's all this controversy over this movie I helped make. We should introduce a PG-13. And just for trivia's sake, and because I love the movie, um, it was Red Dawn. The original Red Dawn was the first ever PG-13 movie. And I actually think that's very accurate for that movie. I mean, you do have kids that are, like, killed in gunfights and explosions and stuff like that. Like, kid yeah. kids. So, yeah. And so the MPA is actually cute, changed a lot. cute kids? Uh, not cute kids. No. Oh, I was going to say, it doesn't really matter if they're cute or not. No, really. no. Like, they're just kids. kids. I was speaking very quickly there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, other thing that's, the other thing that's interesting about the MPA, MPA, and again, this is kind of trivia, is it was uh, rating X was actually hijacked by the pornography industry that chose to start labeling porn as rated X. And suddenly you had so many films rated X that um, Hollywood was like, shit, now what was our like, you know, hard R movies, our hard restricted movies are now being rated X alongside like tons of porn Yeah, that we need a new rating system. And that's why they went to NC-17. Ah, okay. Again, trivia, but yeah. it's it's kind of interesting. That makes sense. And what else was interesting, kind of my last point about the MPAA, is that NC-17 is very similar to adults only in the um, ESRB in that it's very self-regulatory. Like no one wants to release an NC-17 movie because you cannot get kids under 17 into the film no matter what even with parental guidance and just as trivia aside um tennessee requires the state of tennessee requires 18 plus for an nc-17 movie Mm. just kind of random those Um, yeah no those are cool tidbits i think that i think that's good though that shows that these these systems do evolve with with the content right yes like as as we with the video games as as you know graphical capabilities get better and better these this violence is getting more and more realistic like yeah these these ratings should evolve with the product well, well that's what spurred ESRB it was two games I've got them written down um, Mortal Kombat that was the biggest one Mortal Kombat and Night Trap, which I think was for the PC. Those were the two that made me... <laughs> What the hell is Night Trap? I, I actually have looked it up. It's basically like you're a serial killer and there's like girls having a sleepover and it's full motion video and you just slash oh, It's got a bunch yeah, of FMV sounds... and it's, yeah, yeah, it's like stalking. Stalking. Oh, stalking simulator. Wow. Yeah. But did you know, did you know that um, the ESRB, so like carding kids for video games, is legally enforceable in certain provinces in Canada. Not British Columbia, not Alberta. It's Ontario, Manitoba, New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, and Saskatchewan. Yeah, they have their regulatory bodies. Yeah, the regulatory bodies. But it's like, like if you, sorry, Marty, if you looked underage and you're like, I want Manhunt too, and you go to buy it in Saskatchewan, they'd be like, Marty, where's your ID? They would, because it's like buying alcohol out there. Yeah, I just felt that was interesting to say that there's you know oh, no MGD cigarettes or manhunt for me. <laughs> Man, the trifecta. Of course, Leland would go there at nine years old and he'd be like, "Sir, <laughs> when, when would you like your hot coffee mod for Grand Theft Auto?" <laughs> <laughs> Did you want to touch on manhunt stuff, right? Yeah, I mean that was that was the one I think that really started spurring the. Uh, the issue like some of the issues with yeah, that like the recently up. like um 
So in the States, like they, they actually restricted it like an NC-17 where like they legally, like you couldn't even purchase it with like an adult present kind of thing. It was like, wow. it was a legal thing, right? Rather than just a enforced thing, it actually was a legality kind of like buying alcohol, right? And usually yeah. it's just enforced. It's like they, they try to enforce it. It's like, it's, it's like it's decriminalized. Yeah, well, it's, it's kind of, you know, like, Wal- like Walmart will, like, enforce it. And, like, ah, some, okay. you know, some places will, right? Yeah. Yeah, most of the big video game retailers will. Um, but one thing I thought was interesting was that the rating system seems to be working. Because, like, they did a bunch of mystery shops in the United States. And only 13% of mystery shoppers under the age of 19 were able to get an M-rated game. Oh, that's oh, really that is cool. Yeah. And that's actually come down at, like, a couple years prior to that was, like, 50%. It's, like, over, over like, a three- or four-year phase, they kind of, like, wow. improved it. So, was there anything, like, saying what it attributed to that? Like, I, I they think getting more aggressive with fines? Like, you know, I think it had to do with just the fact that they were they were just pushing it harder. Okay. You know, I, it was ra- I forget. It's like awareness. It was around the manhunt time, I believe. Like, yeah. it was kind of like that, which kind of yeah. pushed it. It was around that 2005-ish area. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, manhunt was a fucked up game, man. It was. Yeah, it really was troubling. Yeah, we should not have played it at the age of eight. No, we were a bit young for that. Yeah, okay, so. you know what? Maybe I, I know I'm kind of winging this here, but it, I thought of it earlier. Like, are there some games, I guess Manhunt's one, that you guys played and you're like, fuck, I should not have played this game as an impressionable kid? Conquer's Bad Fur Day. Eh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. At yeah. like 11. Yeah. Yeah. I just, You know what? It wasn't even like it, but it was intended for like eleven year olds though. Like the humor is not like it's, it's like for, potty humor. It's like potty humor. They, yeah. They well, okay, but they put their own like rare put their own warning on the box saying this is not meant to be played by kids, which is smart. They should have, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. Well, you know, it's funny. Like that game in particular. Like, I've never owned that game. I played it elsewhere i played it outside of the control of my own home yeah right like i influenced it at france or wherever the hell it was yeah so like that you know the, you can have you can put on as many parent parental controls as you want but yeah if, if whether whether just because the rating system is universal doesn't mean it's universally applied everywhere your poor child is going to be or who they're taught, right? Like, yeah you know, like, that's like anything of course of course that's an in, in, inherent flaw of any type of these systems, yeah, they can't. Just, they can never be enforced one hundred percent of the time. Well, it's just, that's just places. a flaw of being a parent. You just, you, there's no way. Oh you, yeah, right. You know, you don't want your kid to eat a certain type of food. You have them on a gluten free diet. Well, you stick them somewhere, and they're gonna get gluten. Yeah, that's right. They yeah. go to school, and their yeah. buddy's got a pack of cookies. Yeah, and so who doesn't uh, have a pack of cookies on? I mean, with yeah. scary movies. I mean, like I, I avoided them for the most oh, part. Oh my at home. goodness, horror movies were one of the uh, was definitely the thing that uh i abused as far as underage viewing for sure like my dad would take us to oh. anything <laughs> like i remember anything. going to see freddie versus jason that came out in 2000 i was 13 in 2003 my younger brother's two years younger than than me and we went and saw that with my dad and i was already incredibly well versed with the friday the 13th series like i had viewed and the nightmare on elm street well, so like I've yeah. I've been huge I'm huge fans of both those franchises forever, and here is this culmination of these two franchises. I'm like twelve, like thirteen years. I old. remember, yeah, yeah, I remember you were super. So, I met you guys in 2002, so you were like twelve or thirteen when I met you. We were fourteen ish, fifteen. Uh, uh, we were in, we were in grade nine, I think. Oh, you, maybe yeah, I'm sorry. I maybe maybe you're right. I'm, 
well, closer to fifteen, I think. Yeah, time. you're right. I'm, I'm, I'm. We're not as old as I think we are. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's funny you say that because the first kind of thing we ever discussed, and it's funny, I would call you and you would explain horror movies to me oh. on the phone. <laughs> Child's Place. Yeah. And like Pet Cemetery. And like your friendship was. Full. It was. Totally. Like, totally. We like. I'd sit. I'm like. I sit on Saturday and call him. The the plot to Ride of Chucky one night. Like, yeah. Oh, we sit for two hours and Leland would Leland explain away like <laughs> two hours of uh, this like Stephen King adaption. Nice. <laughs> like here's what Cujo's about. And you're like, wow. <laughs> This is so scary, but I want to be your friend because it was so kind of like calling like a sex hotline, <laughs> <laughs> but like for a completely different like Experience. intrinsic need, you know, <laughs> like please fill this violence gap in oh, my life, man. Leland. Fill oh, it. Man. Fill all my violence I will holes. Fill all your violence holes. <laughs> that's hilarious. Do we just end it there? I think so. That's a great. That's a great wrap up. <laughs> that is a great wrap up. All right. Well, let's do the end of the show stuff. All right. If uh, you like what we're doing, you can find our episodes at ttpopcast.com along with a plethora of written content. Very often, written content to pair with a particular episode, such as episode 24 and one of my latest articles, Kratos, Villain by Nurture or Nature. Ooh, mm. nice. Yeah, we got a, if like us on Instagram, you can check out our Facebook page, we got all the works, all that stuff on the website. And uh, thanks for thanks for coming today, listener. Uh, I've been Leland C. And I'm Marty. And I'm Moby. Take care, listener. Thanks, listener. Bye-bye. <laughs>